0: look at news analysis and insight from around the Big Ten Conference this is Big Ten Paradigm part of the college gridiron coast-to-coast podcast network and here's your host Mark Rodgers welcome in everyone to another edition of Big Ten Paradigm right here on the college gridiron coast-to-coast network we appreciate you being here I'm Mark Rogers from uh, the voice of college football on YouTube. So please stop on by. We post content and go live each and every day. Again, it's the voice of college football on YouTube. And to help me out today, we got Corey Brad on the line. Corey and I get together each and every Tuesday on our Iowa channel for Hawkeyes live. And you can do the deep dive on Iowa football and basketball with Corey on from the Hawkeye of the storm. That's from the Hawkeye of the storm on YouTube and also on your favorite audio platform. Corey, appreciate you being here today.
1: Wonderful day, Mark. And the West is still very much up for grabs. Um, I don't know if that's the theme of the show. Of course, there's two divisions, one of which is respected, one of it, which seems to be laughed at nationally, but uh, we'll talk about both. And uh, the Hawks are still alive and we got another big couple of big games this coming Saturday that will determine the race.
0: Oh, it is laughed at nationally because as a national Channel, I hear about it all the time, including much last night, and uh, I think some of it's deserved. Portions of it is not. Uh, once these divisions and these conferences start to play within that particular division or conference, it's a vacuum. Well, it's so been it's,
1: it's been laughed. You know this, Mark. It's, we've had these discussions, and I've heard from people. It's been laughed at uh, for years, and probably. Wrongfully laughed at because you've talked about how this is maybe the most this has been maybe the most balanced division in college football, and it is um, now I think some of those laughs are deserved. Um, Minnesota is obviously maybe not what we thought, um, back in late September. I mean, they're not conference schedule, Mark. Again, I don't know where you want to, you know, I you gave me a brief outline of what we're talking about today, but. Let me just take this to Minnesota real quick. They're on a non-conference schedule. I don't think there's anybody in the country that could have possibly played a worse non-conference schedule than Minnesota. They play Western Illinois that's in a complete rebuild in the FCS. They play Colorado and New Mexico State. So, I mean, like some of their numbers, and I'm assuming we're going to talk about Iowa-Minnesota, which is coming up this weekend. Some of their numbers have to be uh, inflated. And I went back and looked at some of those box scores. New Mexico State and Colorado, those are two of the worst offenses the country and it's not even close. I mean, Minnesota is going to play like three of the four worst offenses in the country by the time they play Iowa (laughs) this weekend. So, I mean, and then of course, Purdue has had their ups and downs. They were awful against Iowa, responded with a much needed win against Illinois. And Illinois, you just don't trust them yet. I still think they're maybe the most stable team in this division, but you know, this is their first time on the scene. Uh, So Brett's done a great job, but yeah, this West is uh, weird to figure out. Nebraska just seems to be getting worse i don't know (laughs) i I give credit to michigan for making them look bad but man they just seem to be getting worse as the season goes on
0: well you bring up the national stats and you will see a collection of big 10 western division teams at the top of the defensive charts at the bottom of the offensive charts uh it it seems to play into are they really that good offensively or that good defensively that poor offensively Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. I certainly think that they're feasting off of each other from a defensive standpoint, and that is bolstering the statistics. Illinois was the number one ranked defense for much of the season, and they are not the best defense in the country. They're really good. They're really improved. And uh, certainly with Minnesota as well. So I want to kind of take each result and more so project it forward and we'll stay with Minnesota. I don't know that there's a whole lot more to say, except for they've got a quarterback issue. Tanner Morgan is banged up they couldn't uh, play him this past weekend uh, Ethan athan uh played this past uh weekend and when i don't have the spelling in front of me then i have an issue with uh, the backup quarterback's name and i don't have his name in front of me but uh, i've seen him play a little bit they obviously uh are a completely different team or potentially a different team tanner morgan wasn't tearing it up either they threw it 13 times and rushed it 58 times. They were playing Northwestern. They did what they do. Uh, they beat them up along the offensive front and uh, just controlled the game, won the game
1: like Minnesota
0: does against inferior teams.
1: Yeah, when you can run 55 times and average over five yards per carry, it doesn't really matter, right? <laughs> Northwestern's a dumpster fire, too. That's the one team we didn't mention in the kind of that brief rundown of the West. Uh, Northwestern's a complete dumpster fire. Um that will be intriguing because, uh, and I—I'll be—I didn't watch uh, most of the uh, Minnesota Northwestern game, but gave it a look in preparation for the show. And I mean, Mo Abraham is a pro. We said that last year, and it was disappointing to see him get hurt because I think Minnesota was better last year with him. Um, but look, they—they they run the ball effectively, and if Tanner Morgan's there, we've seen Tanner Morgan you know, pull a rabbit out of his hat, and I don't know what his status is for this Saturday, but he's had games where he's been really, really good, and Minnesota looks like one of the best teams in the conference. Um, but you're right. I mean, uh, Cali Mac Manus, if that's the guy's name, that's that's pronounced his last name, 7-13 um, of 13 for 64 yards. The discrepancy between run and pass plays for Minnesota is mind-boggling. And with how Iowa's defended the run since the bye week, I have a hard time seeing Minnesota winning this division because they have to beat Iowa this weekend. I think most pundits are are on board with this. Now they do have home field advantage, um, and and we've talked to too. I mean, on the other note, uh, Northwestern, where do they move for? How do they move forward? Uh, how much leeway do you give Pat Fitzgerald? Because now we're at the point now, Mark. I mean, uh, Minnesota on the season is one and nine. I mean, this season's over. I mean, you can win out, and they're still you know three and nine. I mean, it's still a disaster of a season, and that's number two in a row. So. Um, I, I I don't know what to make of Northwestern at all, but other than that they've got a severe talent issue on both sides of the football. Um, and, yeah, the, the Tanner Morgan story is the biggest storyline heading into the weekend.
0: Yeah, so we've got Minnesota coming up against Iowa after dusting off Northwestern to finish at, uh, let's see now, 7-3. and three. And this log jam in the Big Ten Western Division had me scrambling for tie-breaking situations that we can touch upon Here soon, Iowa-Wisconsin, that was uh, the game that I really wanted to to focus on over the weekend in my Big Ten Western Division viewing. And uh, Iowa put together a classic Iowa performance. If you want to credit the offense with scoring 17 points, you can do so technically, but certainly set up in prime range by the defense and the special teams in doing so. And another pick six for Iowa, they defeat Wisconsin 24-10.
1: I was gonna say when you said uh, this was the the game you picked to watch, I was thinking about saying why? <laughs> why Iowa would Wisconsin, you pick this I game? Programmed that way? <laughs> oh my goodness! Look, uh, I am. Uh, you know, you, you've got to give Kirk Ferentz credit for for just. I, I tweet. I, I think I was tweeted this out the other day. Resilience, like he just finds a way. You know, think back to two thousand twenty. Mark, you have the off season issues. The the allegations of discrimination within the program and you come out and lose to Purdue on the road. You, then you come home, you're up 17 to zero against Northwestern blow that game. You're 0 two. I mean, you're, you're up against the wall at that point. You've got a quarterback who has no touch on the ball. By the way, same quarterback is playing now. Who's never found touch on the ball. Never, never really settled in his, his role at Iowa, which, you know, it is what it is. And they respond with six straight wins in 2020. Last year, offense is terrible. 123 out of 130 FBS teams in total offense. And they win 10 games. Uh, win the West. Now, they got blasted, as we know, against Wisconsin, Purdue, and, and uh, Michigan. And lost in the bowl game. But they won 10 games. And that's what Kirk falls back on. And he's going to fall back on it again this year. If they win, if they have a winning year, Mark, despite an offense that's going to rank at least 125 in the country. They, you you this is the eye test on Saturday would tell you yeah these last the last two weeks of offense were a bit smoke and mirrors Northwestern as we said is terrible and Purdue's, Purdue's defense was just bad uh, their secondary just didn't want to be there and we should have known that when we talked to Grant Michael the big time boiler on our weekly show that their secondary was in shambles um, so I, I digress a bit but the the, the conversation about Iowa's offense um. Th- there has not been significant improvement. You mentioned the the 24 points scored. Spencer Petras, 14 to 23 for 94 yards. Iowa could not run the football. Caleb Johnson ended up with 57 yards, but needed 22 attempts to get there. Um, LaShawn Williams ran nine times for 17 yards. Gavin, six carries for 19 yards. They struggled on the ground. You know, once again, receiver involvement's a problem. Just two different receivers getting involved in this one. Nico Organi for 15 yards Deontay vines for 25 yards and yet they win by two scores so this is what Kirk Ferentz does they've won three straight now I've had people over the years you know fall back on the schedule Iowa doesn't play a tough schedule they're in the west that's somewhat that's true I mean go back to 2015 they go 12 and 0 and you know the schedule was widely criticized and I guess it kind of should have been 2020 they got fortunate right because Wisconsin was down with COVID Minnesota was down, Michigan State was down, Penn State was down. Last year, Indiana was supposed to be really good to open the season. They were maybe the worst team in the Big Ten. <laughs> and Iowa gets them, steamrolls them. Penn State was supposed to be really good. They were top five when Iowa played them. They ended up, what, seven and six? So th- this is, I mean, it's it's such a unique situation. There's no conspiracy about how the Big Ten schedules Iowa. It's a result of being in the division and then just how the the uh, the cards fall, if you will. And you could argue the same this year. Um, Iowa at this point in the season is very much alive for the West. You win out and you're probably winning the West because Illinois has to play Michigan this weekend. And based on Illinois performances, I was a little bit disappointed with the defensive performance from Illinois because they'd been spectacular and gave up a lot to a, a Aiden O'Connell led offense that struggled against Iowa scored three points. Could not, I mean, I know it was windy that day in West Lafayette, but Illinois uh, has struggled these last two weeks.
0: Although, remarkably, I was been able to navigate this season's schedule with Ohio State and Michigan on the schedule. They lost those two games and are still, because of the mediocrity of the division, yeah. with a four-way tie at 4-3, and three, uh, it's pretty incredible. So, yeah, let's get to Illinois. Uh, this was the team that controlled the division as of two weeks ago, had firm control of the division, had a Michigan State team coming in, that uh, was not playing well at that point. And then they, they get upset at home. They've had two consecutive home games with control of the division, and they lose to Michigan State. And Purdue has to be the most schizophrenic team in the conference. Sometimes I think they're really good. I thought that they were really good on opening night when I watched them take Penn State down to the wire, and Penn State's turned out to be a legit top 10 to 15 team in the country. I thought that they should have won the Syracuse game, that they were the better team. Aiden O'Connell, when he's healthy and slinging it with those wide receivers, they they put on a show. They're, they are the dichotomy to the rest of the Big Ten Western Division. They are not the slug it out, let's play defense team. They're, they're the different. They're the outlier, and they're fun to watch. And when they got it rolling, they can be really good. They beat Minnesota on the road. But then the two weeks prior to this Illinois matchup, completely lifeless. They're losing to Wisconsin 35-10 to in the second half. They put on some window dressing scores, but they got blown out by Wisconsin uh, when Wisconsin wasn't playing well. Then you mentioned the Iowa game could do nothing on offense against that Hawkeyes defense. They lose that at home by three scores. And so you got two teams that seem to be on different trajectories, and Purdue lays it on Illinois. Even after they fall back 7 nothing in the first half, they hold Chase Brown under 100 yards. They squeak out a win and now they've got the easiest route with Northwestern coming up this weekend. And then also uh, the final game against Indiana.
1: And, and let's remember too, uh two weeks ago in that game in West Lafayette, for some reason, Jeff Brom forgot about Devin Mockaby. And uh, they actually used him this week, right? I think 28 carries somewhere in there um, for Devin Mockaby, eclipsed a hundred yards, uh, You know, a perfect example was Purdue was against Iowa inside the five. And they, I think, ran uh, ran a pass play four times in a row and ended up turning it over on downs. And, you know, this week, the difference, I I thought, was their um, willingness to involve the run game. And, uh, again, going back to the win the week before, why would you not uh, try to use Mockaby? I know Iowa's run defense is stiff, but so is Illinois'. Um, and I give Illinois credit. They, they bottled up Charlie Jones to an extent. He caught a big touchdown pass, um, I believe in that second half. Uh, but, you know, finally a game where he falls short of 100 yards. He's been terrific this month. Um, yeah, Purdue's hard to figure out. I, I mean, they're just hard to figure out. Um, the consistency, the inconsistency, I should say, um, from Purdue on defense is what's maybe most mind-boggling to me. Because there are weeks where it looks like, you know, this is a this is the defense of Jeff Brom's first year. At, at times, we've we've seen that. I mean, I thought they were terrific against Minnesota back in what late September, early October. Um, so I I don't know what to expect from them week to week. Um, you 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 hit the nail on the head with the schedule. It's funny heading into the year, Mark. We made the comment. I think you and I agreed on this. We made the comment that Purdue had the best schedule, the easiest schedule of the four perceived contenders Illinois not being perceived as a contender at the time between Purdue Wisconsin Iowa and Minnesota Purdue had the easiest schedule well in hindsight and and this would normally change this drastically in hindsight I think Minnesota had the easiest schedule heading into the year because we thought Michigan State was going to be something that they are not and I'd much rather play Michigan State than Maryland Um, they both had to play Penn State Minnesota and Purdue both had to play Penn State so at this point in the season yeah Purdue I don't trust them, but they certainly have the best route to uh, the Big Ten West. With that being said, Illinois can still win out and win this division. But I I mean, with how Michigan's playing right now, um, I mean, their dominance, I haven't gotten that game yet, but I I don't see, I don't see Illinois, uh, is that game on the road, Mark?
0: Illinois at Michigan.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you see them, do you see that game being competitive is my question?
0: Yeah, Tommy DeVito, those receivers, they've got a semblance of a passing game. They've got the best passing game that they've had at Illinois in years, but it's still not scintillating by any stretch. Yeah, it's it's a difficult call for me because I, I want to say that they're so solid in so many areas that they've got no obvious weaknesses on the team, that they should be able to go to Michigan and put up a strong fight. But we know when Ohio State and Michigan get involved with some of these other teams across the conference that it usually isn't much of a game. Uh, but they've got to go through Michigan and then they've got the last, uh, I guess that would be a scrimmage game against Northwestern. Although who knows rivalry game final weekend of the season, what could happen there? We've got four teams at four and three, Wisconsin at three and four still not completely out of it. Purdue's got Northwestern Indiana Illinois has Michigan-Northwestern on the road, Iowa with the Minnesota game, and then Nebraska, Minnesota with Iowa, and then at Wisconsin, Wisconsin at Nebraska this week, and then they close with Minnesota. I was trying to figure this out last night. If Wisconsin wins both games, they need Iowa and Illinois to lose both of their games, and they win tiebreakers against Purdue and Minnesota. Yeah, if Purdue and they need Purdue and Minnesota to lose each one of those two games. So really, they need so many, (laughs) so many check marks that they're out of it. Um, Do you want to hear the three way tie breaking system? Because we're most likely going to have a three way tie record
1: record against division, isn't it?
0: Uh, It's a it's it's record against each team among the tie teams, first of all. Okay. Okay. Against the tied right teams. Right now I got those jotted down but they're worthless to run through because that's going to change based on uh, how many teams are, are tied. Uh whether it's 3 or 4. It's most likely going to be 3. It's going to be difficult for there to be a four-way tie. And then it's division winning percentage which would then take into account Nebraska and Northwestern in addition to whichever team falls off, most likely Wisconsin. And then it is win percentage Versus the next highest team or teams in the division, which would be, I guess, Nebraska or Wisconsin, probably Nebraska, and then on down the line. And then if we, and there's so few games played that that's why they have to create all these tiebreakers because, you know, you can have a lot of two and twos and three and ones and one and twos. The next one is win percentage versus all common conference opponents.
1: Purdue lost to Penn State and, uh, Let's see who's the other team that lost, yeah. It's a lost to Penn State. thing to go
0: through. I listed all <laughs> the common opponents for everyone, like Iowa and Wisconsin both played Ohio State, Iowa and Illinois both played Michigan, etc. The last one, if it gets down to this, then I was golden because they played Ohio State and Michigan. It would be win percentage of all non division opponents.
1: What's what? what is the do you, do you have this in front of you, Mark? What's the record? against the east what what's the the record between the two divisions this year I you know
0: this up in my head the other day i believe it is 12 to 7 east
1: 12 that's it 12 7 east well
0: that... rutgers is 0 and 3 so there you go 12 and 4 throw in rutgers 12 and 7
1: and maryland maryland probably hasn't helped uh...
0: they lost to purdue they lost to wisconsin yeah they're one yeah. and
1: two it's just amazing i mean the 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 pecking order in that, in that division that, I mean, it's, it, Maryland and Rutgers, is there any team in the big 10 that will benefit more from these divisions being done away with than, than Rutgers and Maryland? Just
0: in regards to not competing for a championship, but having a respectable record and getting away from having to get pounded by Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state every year. It is funny that you bring that up because. I, again, I'm a fan of the Big Ten Western Division. It's it's not always quite this crazy, but I do like the various matchups that are so similar and different at the same time and so competitive versus seeing this Ohio State-Michigan and really until recently, just Ohio State, blast the rest of the division. Now it's Ohio State and Michigan. Penn State's kind of on its own tier and then the rest of them, led by Maryland, are okay. And then Rutgers, uh, Indiana. Here's another stat for you. Penn State lost to Ohio State and Michigan, so those are two losses for those three teams in the conference. But take away their games against each other, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State are seventeen and zero against the rest of the league.
1: Yeah, I mean, who? I mean, Penn State's the team nobody's talking about. I mean, they they have been pretty. I mean, we haven't, I guess we haven't really even touched on their game this past week. They've been. You know
0: why nobody talks about them is because they have championship aspirations. Once they get beat down, their seasons, this seems ridiculous for maybe Iowa fans, Minnesota fans, et cetera. But they're playing for a New Year's Six bowl game, but they're off the radar because they're going to win the games, finish 10 and 2. They can't win the East.
1: So th- this is a random question, and I don't want to take this off on a, a tangent, Mark, but how would Michigan, or how would Ohio State and Michigan fans feel if the divisions were redistributed and you had Michigan on one, one side and Ohio State on the other side? Would that be a good or a bad thing to be able to potentially get a rematch um, right after their, the, the the game?
0: They don't want it. And I don't believe the big 10 wants it because it would occur too often. Like if it occurred once every 10 years, I think it would be a novelty and would be kind of cool. But if it occurred like four out of 10
1: years, five out of 10 years. Well, so I guess the reason I I bring that up is because again, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with, with divisions here moving forward, but I mean, Penn, Penn State geographically does not fit into the West. Obviously, if you keep the West and East um, format, um, do you throw you? Does does adding USC and UCLA to the West even things out? I don't really think it does. I mean, I think it does to an extent because of the balance. I think you have balance and you have teams. That, but do you trust UCLA to to sustain? I I don't believe that they've proven enough to be able to to say that they're a sustainable uh, top 15 team in the country. They're a wild card. And so that's why, I mean, if, to me, if I have a choice sustainability at the top between a Penn state and UCLA, I'd take Penn state. I think if you add Penn state and USC to the West and you throw UCLA out East, now UCLA may end up being the next Penn state in the East, but I'd much, as far as projecting forward, those would be better divisions more balanced divisions.
0: No, I, th- I think, uh, so I understand your point, but number one, geographically, it's a joke. Right,
1: yeah, it is. Yeah,
0: I can't uh, it can't happen. Number two is I'm going to count more so on UCLA as being a power than, let's say, Purdue. So here's my thought. Purdue and Indiana are rivals. Take Purdue. Geographically, it's almost a slice. They're all within the state of Indiana. Throw them in the east, USC, UCLA in the west.
1: Okay. So so but but Penn State stays out east is what you're saying. They stay in the east. I still don't think that uh, uh, I, I don't think it probably w- does. W- what really are you adding talking. to the east? All you're, you're adding really, to the w-
0: We're we're taking Purdue moving them to the east. Geographically it makes sense and they're also rivals with Indiana.
1: Okay, so what does that do though? That doesn't balance anything. That
0: puts USC and UCLA in the western division.
1: Yeah, but it's, it's I, to me it's I shouldn't say it's even less balanced, but you still have Michigan, Ohio State, uh Penn well, State. Not
0: less balanced? It's much more balanced. You're taking what could be the best program in the conference. What? Who who? USA. USC? Maybe. <laughs> they have okay. been in the past. Uh they won't be right now, but they have been in the past.
1: I don't they believe take been. I don't believe removing one of the Big Ten's more stable programs in Purdue and replacing them with USC and UCLA does much of anything.
0: Oh, I think it, it, USC is by far going to be and and projects to be the strongest program that would be in the Big Ten Western division.
1: I agree. I agree with that. Wisconsin and Iowa. But what I'm saying is you'd much rather, if you're trying to talk about balance, I'd much rather remove, I'm not saying you're going to do this because if we're talking about geographic stuff then yeah, it, it doesn't make sense, but, I'd much rather remove Northwestern and put Northwestern in the East and retain Purdue. I mean, Purdue's competing for the West Division right now, Mark. Well, so I'm you're kind of geographically. But I, Purdue, I, has
0: gone, Purdue has gone through cycles that they've yeah, been sure. horrible, that you can't count on Purdue. Sure. I would take UCLA over Purdue, but not by much in regards to expectant success.
1: And I'm just thinking if you're talking about adding weight at the top and balance, if I'm representative of the big 10 West, I do not want to lose Wisconsin, Purdue, Iowa, Minnesota, or probably or or Illinois, because they're on the, that would be a disaster losing Illinois right now as they kind of on the upswing Um, and and maintaining those teams and adding USC and UCLA. I I think that's probably the only way you really can even uh, argue that there's, there's complete balance. And even then, I don't think there is. Because you don't have three powers on that side, Wisconsin, I, I, as much as Wisconsin has had success in this division, I still think they're. I want to say rebuilding, but they're they're going to go through some some problems, and they're going some, through some problems right now offensively, obviously, and they've been going through problems offensively with Paul Christ. and they've kind of been like Iowa, they've managed to win games, but I just think Iowa, if you're the Big Ten, you need powers at the top, and I don't know that UCLA is one of those.
0: So I understand what you're doing, and you're going to balance out the power a little bit better than I would by making that move. However, if the concern is who represents divisions and championship games and how competitive that Big Ten championship game is, if the last 10 or 15 years have told us anything, that's not going to solve anything because... For a long stretch of years, Ohio State was separated from the rest of the conference, and maybe still is. We'll see. So, Ohio State primarily, but the Big Ten East has won eight consecutive, all eight of the conference championship games. And now Michigan has joined them. So, unless you split those two, you may have balanced divisions. Like, people may be surprised how well the West, top to bottom, competes against the East. If you take the aggregate of games for the the entire season, year to year, there's not much separation. It's all at the top.
1: Right. You're right. And that's the, I think that's, that'd be the concern. And by the way, let's, let's dispel this notion that, that West Lafayette is geographically in the East. I mean, I understand they're Indiana, but I mean, Mark, I was just in West Lafayette. You drive a couple hours and you're in Chicago. So I I understand.
0: I'm not splitting hairs but it it's generally in the same vicinity it's in indiana
1: yeah bottom line is um it's going to be hard to completely balance this conference if you stick strictly to geography maybe we should go back to the legends and leaders mark are you 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 down for that (laughs) yeah i'm down on it that's for
0: sure (laughs) oh my goodness the 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 that there were no focus groups brought in to test that one out first. I'm guessing that there weren't unless they just happened to find the 12 people in America that could understand it and also thought it was a good idea. Hey guys, with the college football season heading toward the midway point, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity that you can rely on like Bet Us. Did you know that Bet Us has been pioneers in the sports book industry for over 25 years? paying their loyal customer base quickly and securely? Well, we want you to go to BetUs.com and take advantage of an offer we have with all our shows right here at the College Gridiron Coast to Coast. You'll receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using our code COAST22. That's COAST22. Put $100 in, get an additional $125 to play with, or $200 initially, deposited, gets you $250, and so on. And Bet Us also has the NFL, Major League Baseball postseason, and soon the NBA, as well as almost any sport you can think of. But we know you are college football fans first and foremost, and we want you to be with us all season long on BetUs.com. Check them out, BetUs.com, and remember our 125% match bonus for initial signups with our code COAST22. Bet us, you bet, you win, you get paid. So let's get to the Eastern half of this, which is a a little clearer. And I say that tongue in cheek, it's Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, they went out, they're expected to win next week. Again, they are pummeling everyone and they're going to play in two weeks. Okay, I will throw out one concern for each team and then you can offer whatever you've got, Corey, on Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, we saw Michigan blast Nebraska 34-3. I'll make one caveat to that final score would be that Nebraska, without Casey Thompson at quarterback, they weren't a good team before that with him, but they were capable of scoring. And now they have played with Logan Smothers and Chuba Purdy at quarterback for t- three games. They've scored 25 points against Illinois, Minnesota, and Michigan. They just – they're awful. Uh, so Michigan blasts away at that game. Uh, they've got, um, who did they, oh, the Illinois game. Ohio State, they're, they're humming along the highest scoring offense in the country. They have a severe issue in the running game, both from a success standpoint and from a injury standpoint. So Mayan Williams had an incredible first half against Indiana. And for those that may discount Indiana as a rush defense, they came in, 31st in the country in rush defense. So they were pretty capable, uh, despite some of the teams that they had played. Uh Mayan Williams had 150 yards in the first half, but he got rolled up under, had to leave the game. Trafing on Henderson already on the sideline. Ohio State down to its third running back, extremely talented, near five-star guy, but still true freshman, Dallin Hayden. He runs for 102 yards. But Still, uh, he's a slender back. I don't know if he can carry the mail against Michigan for 20 carries in two weeks, so they are really hurting physically uh, at, at uh, the running back position. So that's the Ohio State concern. The defense is playing so much better, the passing game is what it is, maybe the best in the
1: nation. So I, I love the fact that you just said, Well, now they're a third string running back, he is like a five star recruit, but <laughs> the guy, I mean, look. Indiana's run defense is awful, but uh, awful.
0: They're 31st in the country coming into this game.
1: Indiana's was yeah. Well, it shows you what I know why well, I, I, I'm looking here and I see the third string running back that eclipsed a hundred yards on 19 like carries. Playing
0: the likes of Penn state, Michigan, and
1: some quality teams. Okay. Well, I stand corrected on that. Um, I, I'm not worried. I mean, at what point do you get wh- Ohio state is the deepest, we talked about this. They're the deepest uh, team in the country at the skill position, I think at every skill position um, on that team, right? Running back, wide receiver, quarterback. I don't know that there's a team, and you would know this better than I would. I doubt there's a team across the country that can boast as much depth as Ryan Day has on that offense. So, yeah, I mean, Mayan Williams and Trevin Henderson being out is a concern. Um, They struggled for a while to run the ball against Northwestern, right, in that first half. I, I don't know what that was related to. I mean, that was just such a weird blip on the radar and some te- time to- teams have that at times. I mean, national championship teams have that. I think of the Virginia Tech game. What was that in 2014, somewhere in there? Yep. Um, that was kind of one of those games. It was a blip on the radar. But Ohio State won against Northwestern. That's the big thing. They found a way to survive. Um, they also struggled the ball when uh, run the ball against Iowa. Um, part of that is is Iowa's run defense, but part of that is I can see that being a concern for Ohio State.
0: It's guarded play is what it is for ohio state uh the five guys that they play up front i believe will all play in the nfl but they are exceptional pass protectors they form a brilliant pocket on a regular basis but in the run game uh some of them are really good the guard play the interior line i don't want to throw the center into it luke whipler but the guards are not getting the job done and a lot of people believe that they're being asked to do things that they're not, that Ryan Day is letting play calling get in the way of, okay, we have some offensive line issues. We need to do what's best for them. No, I want to be exotic and do X, Y, and Z. They're just going to have to improve and get better. Well, what we saw against the Northwestern and now against, um, also against uh, Indiana is, number one, Ohio State scored its first touchdown against Northwestern with an end around to a wide receiver, one of those pop passes uh, to Emeka Buka. I think they're going to, and they had a big play from Marvin Harrison and Xavier Johnson it had a 71-yard touchdown run against um, Indiana. So utilizing wide receivers to complement the running game. Also, C.J. Stroud, you can relate to this covering Iowa on a regular basis, but C.J. Stroud can actually run. Like, he's not dynamic, but he's got – legs he can run a fairly fast 40 but they have chosen to protect him so they have not called a designed run for CJ Stroud the entire season and they kept slamming their head against the wall on third and fourth and one against Northwestern and finally they they ran a play where CJ Stroud pulled the ball ran around end and the entire Northwestern defense was completely fooled because they hadn't done that the entire season he runs for like 30 yards he ends up running for 79 yards On five or six carries against Northwestern, they did the same thing a few weeks, a few times last week. And so, Ryan Day is basically admitting, Hey, we need to find other ways to run the ball.
1: You said that I should know about that because why? Well, there's an Iowa quarterback who doesn't have
0: designed run play.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for good reason. Let's figure out all the ways, Mark, that we can compare CJ Stroud to Spencer features. Oh, by the way. Uh, as it relates to uh, Spencer Petras, uh, I know we, we talked about Iowa already. Uh, I want to actually say this. He has played better these last three games as it relates to making. The, he is not. I mean, you go back to the South Dakota State game. You go back to Iowa State. Um, he had problems making just simple throws, not, you know, sail six feet above his receiver's head. He's actually making makeable plays. I want to make make sure I give him due credit. He's making makeable plays. He still finished the game with, what, 90 yards through the air. So.
0: I recognize that. And, and one more note on the Ohio State offense, and it uh, hits on a point that you made, and I'll steal a line from Joel Cladd during the broadcast, Ohio State, Indiana, that he says, he makes a comment that, I think Ohio State might be the only team that can pull this off where, they lose the guy that was expected to be the best wide receiver in college football this this year, Jackson Smith and Jake Buh, and they replace him with another guy. Now, Marvin Harrison wasn't a replacement. He was going to play, but he was a complete unknown from a production standpoint. Then he scores three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl, and now he's arguably the best wide receiver in college football. College football fans, the season seems to get better each and every week. The matchups are ridiculously good and getting better now that we're in conference play. You're looking for the best seats at the most competitive prices, and we want to make sure you take advantage of Ticket Smarter and their mobile app. We know that buying college football tickets online requires trust, and Ticket Smarter has partnered with more than 100 universities and 24 conferences as their official ticket resale marketplace. They have also partnered with ESPN Events as an official ticket resale partner as well. And with the best selection of NCAA football tickets, Ticket Smarter makes sure fans from all over the country experience the power and excitement of college football live. Purchase your tickets quickly, securely, and at the best prices in the secondary market with the Ticket Smarter mobile app or at TicketSmarter.com. And we've got an additional offer for those listening to all our podcasts here on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. Take 5% off your purchase of $100 or more with our promo code Gridiron22. That's Gridiron22 for 5% off your order of $100 or more. And that code isn't just a one time deal. No. Use our code as many times as you want this season for the best selection of college football seats to the biggest games. Check out the selections and the pricing now with Ticket Smarter. And remember our code, Gridiron22. Think Smarter, Ticket Smarter. So, Ohio State of Michigan in two weeks. Any thoughts about Michigan? You saw them play Iowa a few weeks ago? Of course. Uh, their issue is J.J McCarthy can't hit a deep pass. Uh, they They try it three, four, five times a game. they They come up empty. So uh, that's not their bread and butter, but they probably will need to loosen up the Ohio State defense.
1: Well, they've kind of they've kind of been a more dominant version of what Iowa wants to do. I mean they they've just got a really good run game. Good tight ends. I mean, they, uh, defense has been terrific, to say the least. And, yes, I know Casey Thompson was down in this game. But uh, if I'm Michigan, I- I'm feeling pretty good going into the game here in a couple weeks. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, – that does not mean that Ohio State won't win that thing because I still think Ohio State's the most talented team in the country. Um, but Blake Corum – Blake Corum's going to ha- – I-, I think should have a say in the Heisman race. He's just been terrific all year. Uh, he's one of the few teams that were able to run against Iowa. So I I mean right now power rankings wise I'm yeah Ohio State's still number 1 in my book but Michigan's not a distant number 2 and uh, I think that's the biggest thing right now can I think that's the question too that that should be brought up every time you start discussing Michigan and Ohio State what will it take mark for the loser of that t- loser of that game to get in the college football playoff because the loser of that game will not make, you know, obviously he's not going to go to, to Indy. So their their season will be done at 11 and 1. I, I think this might be, given how these two teams look on a week in week out basis, the fact that they've been dominating teams, I think there's a good chance, given some of the losses at the top with teams like Alabama, I, I think there's a good chance we see the loser of this game make the playoff. And you could see, you could see very likely, you could see these two teams on opposite sides of the of the college football playoff bracket with an opportunity to see a rematch in the the national title game. I think that's a fair conversation. I think Michigan's that good.
0: They were helped out a few weeks ago with Clemson going to Notre Dame and not only losing, getting blown out. Bad loss for Clemson in the ACC. They were helped out this past weekend by UCLA going down to a bad Arizona team and Oregon losing as well a second game. So basically I believe what's needed here and and what also has aided the cause on the Ohio state side is Notre Dame's looking like a legitimate team. Now they've knocked off Clemson, North Carolina. Uh, They're off to a great set. And if Notre Dame is able to win at USC, then that's a good win for Ohio state. So the loser that game has to win close. It's got to be a great game. They can't lose by two scores. Uh, It's got to be a great game. And then. Of course, the the chaos that would ensue elsewhere. You're would, telling me that you think that
1: even if it's a di- so say Ohio State wins by 20 over Michigan. You're telling me that Michigan's out at that point. They're not going to
0: the playoff with a 20 point loss with their non conference schedule. That's awful.
1: Yeah, the non conference schedule was bad, um, but they do play in the second best division in college football. Look, I I just you know you look at the top. You brought up Oregon. What's the one team that the the playoff committee year in and year out has favored? despite losing and that's Alabama. Alabama is the one team that it, it, at least to me has been forgiven too many times by the playoff committee. They're done. Right. I mean, unless complete chaos ensues, they're done. Uh, so, I mean, right now, TCU is in, right. I mean, it, they are in as long as they keep winning. If they win out, they're in, they're not going to be held out. you know, as a 13 and zero TCU conference champion team. But my point is they have no room for error. If they lose, and maybe they go to the conference championship and lose it. I think if they go to the conference championship and lose in their 12 and 1 mark and you're looking at Michigan at 11 and 1, they're both non-champions. Michigan plays in a better conference. I just think I I wouldn't go that far yet. I I don't know that style points will determine it. Certainly they'll help it if you've got a I mean I, I think maybe a better comparison would be a you know a Tennessee with one loss and Oregon with one loss. But I think if you get like a TCU, they lose a game. I think that's a real conversation, even with a Michigan team that gets beaten soundly in the conference championship game, which may not happen, but just theoretically.
0: Well, Oregon's got two losses now, so the Pac-12 is down to right. one. Oregon's got two,
1: yeah. So I, 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 I think this might be the year that you see a team from this game, from the from the game, get into the playoff despite losing.
0: Well, Tennessee is going to get that nod definitely over Michigan and probably against Ohio state as well, just because they've played a better schedule. Their one loss was to the consensus number one team in the country. They've defeated LSU and Alabama. So Tennessee is going to be the non-division winner to have a shot over an Ohio state, Michigan loser.
1: I don't know. That's, that's an interesting one. You're, you're confident on that. You sound pretty confident on that one.
0: I am confident. Okay. They have those two wins. Alabama yeah, and LSU, right. and one of them was a blowout. They lost to Georgia by two scores, sure, but Georgia is consensus number one.
1: Yeah, there's going to be some upset Michigan fans, though. But but you're right. You know, we talked about that schedule, that non-conference schedule of Michigan's, yeah. and whatever, you know, there was scheduling quirks or whatever it was that caused that. That could yeah. come back and bite you in the butt. Mm-hmm. Because you add one game in there, Mark. Say, say Michigan scheduled a, you know, a UCLA. You add one marquee game in there. Yeah, I I think absolutely. You're, you're. It's a toss-up between Tennessee. Theoretically, again, assuming both those teams continue to win, and Michigan loses to Ohio State. But you're right. The non-conference schedule to me would that would make sense that that would be the deal breaker. Unfortunately, but that's how it should be. You shouldn't get a pass uh, for playing. They played what three. Group of five schools. Am I correct yes. in saying that? Yes. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous.
0: Three three bad ones. One turned out to be better than expected. UConn just uh, reached bowl eligibility after losing like almost every game last season. I think one in ten. But, but Colorado uh, State. Colorado
1: State? Yes. Yeah, they're they're both disasters. Uh, Rook, I know we're this is a Big Ten show. Can we just talk about a Big Ten guy real quick, just for a second? named Mark Stoops. What what in the world? I didn't go watch any of that game. What in the world? Vanderbilt wins its first SEC game in like how many years? Can you just real, real quickly tell me? Because Mark, this is I know this is Big Ten paradigm. Mark Stoops is a Big Ten guy, so it's Big Ten related. Tell me what happened with Kentucky.
0: Well, I think you can relate to this. I think Kentucky plays a style of football that lends itself to keeping inferior opponents in the game. And so yeah. that's what they do. Uh, they've had an awful offensive line this year. They are in the bottom three in the country in sacks given up. Uh, Vandy has shown signs of life against the likes of uh, South Carolina, Missouri, and some other teams. They've played close uh, a few times. They've played much better football this year. They did have three wins coming in, albeit out of conference. So, yeah, Kentucky should not lose that game and lose it at home. Um, they committed a personal foul on a play where they intercepted the pass to end the game. Then they get burned and lose the game in the last 14 seconds. Yes, that's that's a bad look for Kentucky because you don't want to be the team that loses to the team that everybody laughs at and makes jokes about. That is the worst team in the conference by far. But Kentucky is still a, a good program. Mark Stoops has still done a really good job there. So that doesn't change my opinion of him.
1: So you're telling me that Kentucky is not going to be ranked in the college football playoff poll when it comes out tomorrow. (laughs) I did not rank them.
0: I cannot uh, vouch for the college football playoff selection committee and what they do.
1: No one can, right? It's been an invitational and it's, um, but this is going to be the year, Mark, Mark, my words, this is going to be the year where I believe the loser of the Michigan, Ohio state game gets in just a hunch and and other things need to happen, but just to Tennessee saw us to win out, Mark. I mean, we, you know they still have to to win games. I mean, they lose a second game; it's not going to matter what wins they had. They're not going to get in over a one-loss Michigan team. Well,
0: you just uncovered something. It all comes full circle. Tennessee has to go through Vandy this week, <laughs> so so that must be it. Yeah. That's 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 what you're scheming right there. Of course, they're also
1: well they're they're going on the road to South. I thought it was South Carolina this. Oh, week. they got
0: South Carolina. They got Vandy. Yeah, that's always their last yeah. game of the season against yeah. Vandy. All right, folks, uh, thank you so much for listening to Big Ten Paradigm right here on the College Gridiron Coast to Coast Network. Check out the landscape of podcasts covering all the major conferences across college football right here on College Gridiron Coast to Coast. Join me, Mark Rogers, at the Voice of College Football on YouTube and our guy this week, Corey Bratta from the Hawkeye of the Storm. That's on YouTube, Iowa football and basketball coverage there and on your favorite audio platform one more time from the Hawkeye of the storm. Corey, we appreciate you stopping by.
1: Thanks for having me, Mark.